Howdy folks, welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. For this episode 120 of the show, please be aware there will be spoilers. If you want to contact me, you can tweet me at Teal Productions, T-E-A-L. Lords of Order has a Facebook page. The email address, the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com and the website, bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate. All places you can get a hold of me if you choose. Today's story is from the world's greatest super history, JLA Incarnations, and the story is entitled Generation Gap. Now, this comes to us scripted by John Ostrander, penciled by Val Simics, inked by Prentice Rollins, colored by John Callas, and lettered by Ken Lopez. As far as I could find, there are no reprints of this. This is cover dated July 2001. So this is uh, 20 years old, give or take. Uh, So single issues appears to be about the only way that you can still find this. Now our story opens with a news reporter telling us that 246, let's see, 2467 members of the Justice League have died. Green Arrow, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, Black Canary, Flash, Green Lantern, and The Atom. And then he rolls a tape that was recorded, um, I'm not sure where. Uh, first, we have the evildoer extolling why he is evildoing, and then the actual visuals on the evildoing. A group of mechanical men were attacking tourists on a uh, Mediterranean, Mediterranean? Yeah, maybe Caribbean uh, tourist island, and the Justice League rolls in to save the day. Little do they know that the tourists are also mechanized and have been equipped with particular ways to defeat the JLA. Dust so that uh, it fills, clogs Aquaman's gills, and he suffocates. A yellow polymer released to cover and squeeze unto jelly. Um, Green Lantern. Uh, Fire to melt down Martian Manhunter, a radiation frequency to cause the atom's size changing to fluctuate uncontrollably, and sonic hammers to cripple the Flash, leaving only Black Canary and Green Arrow, who, as they are... as, as they succumb to the masses of the tourists, the island is struck by an incoming meteor and uh, all life on the island seemingly obliterated. Although I would say that this meteor is large enough to have just taken out completely the island, given, yeah, uh, science, but it's not what it does. It just denudes the island, kills everything on it, leaving only Green Lantern's ring. Uh, a final segment, uh, the, the bracketing segment of the evildoer exposes himself to be Wotan, a long-time nemesis of Dr. Fate and the Justice Society, um, having recently freed himself, yada, 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 is seeking revenge by first killing the second generation uh, and children of the Justice Society. So he's going for the heart first. And so the the transmission that this reporter is reporting must have been a transmission by Wotan because he spoke at the beginning and end, and then he had video of what had transpired on the island. So he gave it to the, the news people, apparently. We then cut to the Justice Society Black Canary, who, those of you that may not be aware of the relationship, is the mother to the Justice League's Black Canary. 
Uh, different Earths, yes. Black Canary is here via interdimensional travel because you would have to look up her history really to see it. Jay Garrick, uh, Justice Society Flash, steps in, having heard everything, to check on Diana, um, Black Canary. And she's extremely upset, having just seen, in essence, her child die. And Jay swears revenge. There's a funeral at Arlington National Cemetery for those seven members attended by Justice League, Surviving Justice Society, or Surviving Justice League, excuse me, Justice Society, uh, looks like Doom Patrol and Metal Men. Hawkman is giving a speech. Uh, someone is here named Tom, and he's up to some kind of shenanigans. He's moving through the crowd, getting closer. He has his hand up like he's a, a fist, and then he holds an extended fist towards the memorial of the JLA, which has um, simulacra of the... Is that the right word? I don't know. Of the, the arms and upraised fists representing each of the members, however they would have appeared. And... Uh, in the middle of the stone is Green Lantern's ring setting on something or in something, or maybe it's embedded in the stone, I don't know, but it is exposed to some extent because we see it start to glow. And then as this Tom dude is standing there with his fist extended towards it, it starts to glow more and more. Um, also, real quick, having mentioned Simulacrum, uh, the Green Arrow that is in this, that is part of the Justice League. He is dressed like the Golden Age Green Arrow in the Robin Hood outfit, like he and Speedy used to run around with, whereas the rest of the Justice League looks like Justice League. Um, I don't believe chronologically this book fits where I am speaking on it. Uh, 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 I have been trying to go through Dr. Fate, his appearances chronologically, that's why after the Golden Age, I am talking about his appearances with the Justice Society opposite the Justice League of America, because the Justice Society at that point, it would have been very soon after World War II. So, I mean, it, it still would have been in line with, you know, All-Star Squadron and Infinity Inc. and Young All-Stars, all those. Um, so, I'm not sure why this is stuck where it is, but everyone is a contemporary and even more Interesting is that it is Ray Palmer, I believe it's Ray Palmer, Adam, and like I said, the Robin Hood garbed Green Arrow. So I'm not sure why John O'Strander took that particular time frame. All the Justice Society members are aged. Um, later on, we see um, Johnny Thunder. Uh, he looks like the normal 1940s era Johnny Thunder. You know, he doesn't look like he's eight. So I'm, I'm not sure. There's kind of a, a mixing of, of character ages in this so but either way using mike's amazing world i think is is what i used uh i think i have that written down yeah mike's amazing world and the dcu guide uh combination the kent nelson chronology and this i don't know i i had studied and, and put this book here in in this part of the order so so be it uh green lantern's ring is glowing 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 and then all of a sudden out from the ring pops the seven deceased members of the justice league of america uh, nice full page spread or uh, three-quarter page spread of the howdies as the dead members are all standing in the middle of a circle facing outward, uh, their backs basically to each other, and all the other heroes that were at the memorial gathered around them saying, uh, cheers, mate. Reunion between the Black Canaries, and we pull away, and we see that Wotan is watching everything. Fascinating, he says. But how did you manage it? 
And then we cut to, in answer to that question, we cut to the Justice uh, League. Pardon me, guys, if you hear a commotion in the background. My two cats are deciding that they're not liking each other at this particular moment in time. Aubrey and Kitsune, if you're wondering, girl and boy. Um, the boy is only about three times the size of the girl, unfortunately. We were in the ring, Black Canary says, the younger Black Canary. We know that. We saw you come out. How did you get in there in the first place, Jake Garrick asks. As much as my inherent modesty forbids, I must admit it was I who saved the day, says Ollie, Green Arrow. Oh, please. It's a wonder you can stick that silly little hat on that swelled head, Black Canary. Younger. And so now we go through the story. Each of the individual members of the Justice League played a part in the communal effort to save them. Um, Green Arrow used his last arrow to put out the fire for John Johns, the Martian Manhunter, who telepathically contacted Aquaman, who telepathically uh, woke. Flash, I mean, Aquaman doesn't have mammalian human telepathy, but he, he does have the ability to, uh, the two combined, actually, John Johns and Aquaman, to reach the Flash, who was paralyzed except for a finger, and he used the finger to uh, move and create a windstorm that cleared the dust and the dirt off of Hal Jordan's ring, which... Um, I was able to flash an energy field at the atom, and the atom used uh, his uh, shrinking and growing was stabilized, and his atomic abilities and the Green Lantern's ring were hooked together and sucked everybody into it at the last minute. And then Black Canary used her scream to normalize the environment in the ring to keep everybody alive until... Green Lantern's buddy, who was reached telekinetically, could bring the battery that was used to free everybody. At this point, things start to break down between the two groups, the Justice League and the Justice Society. Uh, due to some tampering by Wotan, um, uh, telepathic uh, uh, prodding, to kind of manifest the inadequacies that everybody feels, the, the, the negative things that some of the members feel that were exacerbated by Wotan's, Wotan's manipulations, uh, to where the JLA and JSA, certain members, not everybody, but certain members, are just talking some downright trash to each other. And then um, to break it up, Dr. Fate steps in with a, an onk, here in a magic field to gather everybody's attention. I suggest we withdraw. I sense malign influences at work here. And uh, as they're leaving the JSA parting one way, the JLA parting the other, Hal Jordan throws over his shoulder as he's walking away. Maybe the only malign influence at work is just plain old-fashioned envy. The JSA's time is over while, while ours has just begun. So there we go. Cut to Wotan, who's looking in his scrying pool of redness. Uh, his scrying pool is red, I guess, because he's evil or he uses blood or whatever. Uh, laughing. And a la Felix Faust, maybe, on a cover of JLA. He's shown to be manipulating everybody by the ends of his fingers, taking the shape of JLA members in one hand and JSA in the other hand. Was that a Felix Faust way early JLA cover, maybe? So that's what's going on there. News report, again, the JLA defeating the Shaggy Man. 
Um, this this news reporter and his his personal network follows uh, stories involving capes. So he specializes in keeping up with what's happening, and and that's why we're following him because he is a quote unquote uh, media expert on the JLA. Next up. And I apologize if you heard that. I'm sitting in my studio near a window that is open on this beautiful end of February day, 2022, which is going to date the show whenever you guys listen to it, because you won't listen to it anywhere near then. Um, Traffic. Uh, This side of the house is near traffic. And so you may hear traffic. You may hear birds nesting on the house next to us, which is about 15, 20 feet away. May hear my cats who are jumping up in the window to view said birds. So, you know, hey, as long as you can hear me, I guess, uh, amongst all that other stuff, we're, we're doing good. This is, you know, just guerrilla podcasting at its best. Thank you very much. Um, he goes on to talk about the JSA who has just defeated the Injustice Society here, and he's reporting on that. We cut to whatever time away uh, from that, uh, Denver, where John Johns is standing atop a building looking out and Dr. Fate pops in. They have a little tete-a-tete back and forth, uh, ultimately ending in Dr. Fate giving the magic whammy to John Johns and knocking him out because Dr. Fate is being controlled pretty profoundly by Wotan because in his amulet, uh, we see the reflection of Wotan's face, which lets us know why he just put the whammy on Martian Manhunter, right? Because he's he's been taken over. So now uh, Martian Manhunter appears before the JLA saying he knows where Wotan is uh, because they realized a ways back that it was Wotan that was behind it. They just could never find him. Martian Manhunter tells them that Wotan is at the island on which everything started. Itua, I-T-E-U-H, I think, Itua, something like that. He's causing it to the island to explode a la Krakatoa. Um, Not sure why that's going to be a problem. Well, no, I I am sure because Martian Manhunter tells us it will dump ash throughout the Western Hemisphere and threaten the ecology of the whole area. Because after the first um, issue on the island, there was nothing left alive on it. So it's just a dead rock out in the out in the water. And so apparently they don't want that rock to blow up because it'll mess with the Earth's atmosphere too much. So it is Black Canary, Flash, Aquaman, Adam, Green Arrow, still dressed as Robin Hood, Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunter, two, four, two, four, six, seven, the original seven. Okay. Uh, going back out after, and I, and I say that because I know at the funeral services, Batman was there, Wonder Woman was there, Superman was there. So they're not part of this particular incarnation, shall we say, a la the title of the book, of the Justice League. So they're not, they're not playing. Now they are intercepted, the Justice League, flying in by the Justice Society, who is Dr. Fate, uh, Alan... Alan Green Lantern. Alan. Yeah, his last name escapes me. Hawk Girl, Hawkman, uh, the Adam, the Justice Society, Golden Age Adam, Dr. Midnight, Johnny Thunder, Black Canary, and The Flash. So they come in, and here is, uh, and uh, yeah, here's Midnight's Owl here flying with them, too. Well, I don't think we've seen him in the book yet. So we have a, a face off here between the two groups, culminating in. How Jordan's manifesting a green mace and smacking Hawkman uh, in the face with it. And then Alan... Okay, let's see. Hang on just a minute for me here, guys. Alan Scott, Green Lantern. Alan Scott. Ugh. 
Uh, then does a emerald ram's head to Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and the fight is on. The Flash, uh, Barry Allen. I, I think it's Barry Allen at this point. I'm not sure that they've said a name. I, I don't recognize the differences in the uniforms enough. I'll, I'll say Barry Allen. Um, Whisks, Green Lantern, Alan Scott. Flash, Jay Garrick knocks out Flash, um, Barry. The Atom, Ray Palmer starts to jump in, but the Golden Age, Atom, yeah, whose name escapes me as well. I'm not going to look it up. Intercepts him and, and they start fighting. Black Canary, Younger, uh, is kicked by Black Canary Mom with Johnny Thunder and Dr. Midnight looking up, realizing that something is up. Um, things are turning badly, you know, too quickly. And they start to do something, but there's a big whammy here that knocks everybody. And floating in the air is Dr. Fate and Martian Manhunter, who both are speaking a la Wotan. And so everybody realizes that Wotan has his claws sunk most deeply in those two, Dr. Fate, Martian Manhunter. And so everyone turns and starts to, well, everyone that wasn't already fighting turns to try to take out Dr. Fate and Martian Manhunter. Wotan, meanwhile, is floating in the midst of the volcanic eruption, watching everything and using his energy, his his magics, to exacerbate the destruction of the island. We cut to the canaries who get in a bit of trouble and cry out for help, and the two flashes help the two canaries. Uh, they get caught in a, in a bad situation, and the two green lanterns help out the two canaries and the two flashes. The two atoms get together, and the Justice Society, the Golden Age, tells the Bronze Age Ray Palmer, I'm going to throw you at Dr. Fate. If you rip off his helmet, he'll revert to Kent and uh, Nabu and Wotan won't have an effect. He won't, in essence, be Dr. Fate anymore without the helmet. So the Bronze Age, Silver Age, I guess, and Bronze Age, uh, Adam go flinging through the air, grab Kent's helmet and rips it off his head, who then comes to himself and uses... Fate's magics minus Nabu's control, the magics that he, Kent, understands, to whammy and free from manipulation Martian Manhunter, who then rally cries everybody, um, and everyone circles up. Uh, Dr. Fate gets his helmet back and puts it back on because the contact with Wotan has been broken, and everyone makes an escape plan because the island is just disintegrating beneath them. The two flashes can run. Hawkman and Hawk Girl are carrying the canaries. Everyone else that is landbound is being carried by the uh, thunderbolt of Johnny Thunder, while the Green Lanterns... Um, contain the explosion of the island, and Fate and Martian Manhunter attempt to combat Wotan. But we find out Wotan got caught in the explosion and was completely covered and encased in ashen lava, and so he is in a solidified rock prison, having gone into a coma. Uh, some talkie-talkies by everybody. The two canaries reconcile. Green Lantern Hal Jordan, who was just a regular bell-end, um, apologizes to Hawkman. And uh, everybody goes on their merry way here at the end of the book. So I will say I, I did like the uh, this type of story, this characterization. Um, I've I've always been a fan of John O'Strander's writing uh, in the in the various DC things that he's written. 
They, they always seem to be those things that draw me in. Uh, I'm not a DC fan, by and large. Uh, I'm, I'm a Marvel zombie, admittedly. Uh, now I am less a mainstream uh, reader. I'm more an indie snob, if you will. Um, most of my reading are non-Big 2. But I, I keep up with a lot of stuff in Marvel. But still, I, I haven't made the crossover really to reading or, or catching up with DC uh, Dr. Fate probably being the deepest, uh, let me think for a minute, yeah, the deepest into DC that I have gotten. But I do have a lot of interest in 80s, late 70s, 80s, early 90s DC. Uh, so I've been leaning more and more in my in my spare non-project readings to start reading some DC stuff. But I, I just haven't gotten there yet. Uh, there's just so many things that I want to read, and I always veer and read outside of DC rather than grabbing something in DC. Uh, so uh, it's a bias, I admit it, but hey, uh, there's plenty of you out there that do read DC and can tootle, tootle, uh, a la tutelage me on DC. So uh, Peter Rios poof, comes to mind right off the bat. So there we go. Uh, there was also, there used to be a podcast out, um, Justice's First Dawn by Mike Peacock. I think was his name. Um, he stopped podcasting that show probably three years ago, two years ago, three years ago. I haven't seen him doing anything since. I don't know. I'm not even sure if that is uh, that show is still available anywhere. But he talked about the Justice League of America prior to Crisis. So he would have talked about all of this stuff um, up to and including from the beginning up to and including the De Detroit era which was right before Crisis, maybe, I think. But anyways, uh, pre-Crisis JLA. So uh, Mike's show, Justice's First Dawn, would have talked about uh, this, uh, or the Justice League that I have been talking about involving the Justice League, Justice Society of America team-ups, and what I will be talking about for the next eh, for the next while, apparently. So, okay, guys, uh, that's enough of me just droning on, saying nothing related to the book or related to Dr. Fate. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Uh, Dr. Fate wasn't, you know, wasn't a lot, but I think he was pretty, pretty instrumental. And the fact that the bad guy was a uh, Dr. Fate bad guy uh, appearing in Dr. Fate's first two or three appearances ever in there, he fought Wotan. Um, I didn't look it up, but if you go back through the archives, I talked about that in talking about Dr. Fate Golden Age. So if you want to hear my thoughts about uh, Dr. Fate and Wotan butting heads throughout the Golden Age, they're, they're out there on the show. Next time up, Justice League of America, the 1960 volume, issue 37, which is the, what, 1965, I think, team up between the Justice League and Justice Society of America, the first half of that story. That's what I'll be looking at next time. Catch you later, guys. Ciao.